This audio podcast is from the River Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We hope God uses it to encourage and grow your relationship with Christ. For more information about the River Church, visit us online at theriverdfw.com or facebook.com backslash theriverdfw. Week three of our series called The Fight. And if you were here a few weeks ago, we interviewed uh, an MMA fighter named Evan Cutts, who actually goes to the River Church here. Um, and we talked about what MMA fighting, what mixed martial arts has in common um, with the spiritual life, with the spiritual journey. And one of the main things that we discussed was the disciplines. He talked about how he disciplines himself and trains himself for weeks and weeks and weeks for a 15-minute fight. For, for just a short period of time, weeks and weeks and hours and hours for just a 15 minute fight, a moment in time. And he talked about how as long as he stays prepared, stays disciplining himself, he can be prepared for any fight in his life or any moment in his life. And so what we talked about is as Christians, all of our journeys look a little bit different. All of our walk with God looks a little bit different. But when your moment comes, there's going to be times in your life where Things happen that you don't expect where um, um, something just comes out of nowhere. And, and if we're not careful, it can throw us for a loop. And so we talked about how we want to prepare ourselves for those moments in our lives. And so we've been talking about through this series, spiritual disciplines that we can add into our lives that can prepare us for that moment, that can prepare us for the spiritual battles in our lives. Because you guys know this as Christians, there's very much spiritual, a spiritual reality, a spiritual element in our walks with lives. There's very much a spiritual battle that goes on in our lives. And what our phrase to this thing has kind of been is spiritual disciplines that we're, what we're talking about can be the difference between being living a powerful Christian life and a powerless Christian life. And so last week we started off with the idea of studying the craft. We talked about studying the scriptures so they can prepare you for that moment in your life, knowing God's word, understanding God's promises for you, understanding his faithfulness that's seen in the scriptures so that when those moments come in your life, you have something to rely on and lean on. And, and we encourage you guys, many of you guys joined us this last week as we started off a, a short study through the Bible study app. Um, and it was it was a lot of fun. If you took part in it, um, a lot of you guys did. There's a lot of cool comments and I really enjoyed that. And we're actually going to give you guys another one for this next upcoming week. And so be looking for that. And, and if you didn't get a chance to get involved or, or sign up for it, we'll show you at the end of service how you can do that. But this week, we're going to be changing it up just a little bit. We're going to be discussing another interesting element of the fighter's life, um, something that Evan talked about. I mean, if anybody in here ever watched an MMA fight, you can raise your hand. It's okay. Anybody ever watched like a boxing match? How about Rocky. Anybody ever watch Rocky? Okay. Yeah, we can all be on the same page there, right? Um, when I was a little kid, my family, uh, me and my brother, on Friday nights, we got to pick movies that we could watch, and we always went to Blockbuster. Y'all remember Blockbuster? We used to go to Blockbuster, rest in peace. And uh, there's one left. There's still one left. Um, we used to go to Blockbuster, and we would either get the Rocky series or the Star Wars trilogy every week. And the goal was to watch all of them one night. I never got to like the second one. We fell asleep. But anyways, um, but so if you've ever watched any of those movies or seen a fight, you, you notice there's these guys that kind of hang out on the outside of the ring and they kind of know the fight. Like there's this one guy who's waving a towel around. He's jumping up and down. There's a guy when the bell rings in between rounds, goes and sits down and he's, he's rubbing the fighter's shoulders and he's yelling things into the fighter's ear. There's a guy who's, who's working on his face where he got cut and where he got beat up. And these guys that we're talking about, sometimes it's one guy is the fighters. They call it the fighter's corner. 
That's his corner team. And the fighter, they prepare him for the moment. They give him instructions. They encourage him. And in essence, if you were here when I interviewed Evan, he said, man, without my corner, I am nothing. Without my corner, I am nothing. They prepare me. They help me. They train me. And today, as we talk about spiritual disciplines that prepare us for the fight, we're going to talk about the spiritual discipline. It may sound strange, but we're going to talk about the spiritual discipline of building a community of people around you that help you in your Christian walk, help you in your fight. And so the question for the day is who's in your corner? Who's in your corner? Do any of you guys remember, I'm going to date myself a couple times here. I'm not that old. Do any of you guys remember MySpace? Y'all remember MySpace? Okay. Well, in MySpace, they had this thing on there, if you're not familiar, on your homepage, and it was like your top four friends or your top eight friends. Y'all know what I'm talking about? If you know what I'm talking about, that thing caused a lot of problems. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, why am I not in your top eight? Huh? Why am I, why am I number four? Why am I not number three? Or you get mad at somebody, you're like, first thing you're doing, I'm moving them down, right? Taking them down off of my space, right? Well, that top eight was, it was, caused a lot of problems. It's really interesting because I, I wonder if I asked you today to take out a pen and paper, and you can try this if you want, take out a piece of pen and paper, and I'm not even going to ask you to list your top eight. I would say, who's your top five? If I said, who's in your corner? Who are the people in your corner? Who would your top five be? And you can't choose your spouse. You can't choose your kids because someone would be like, uh, you know, kids, husband or wife. No, can't do that. Who would, who would be in your corner? Who would be your top five? What do you think? Just roll it through your head. Who's your, who's your top five? If you're in here today and you're like, Mike, I got to be honest, I, I can't name anybody that I would put in that list. Did you know that 25% of Americans would say that they have nobody that they would consider a close and personal friend? Crazy, right? Crazy. And, it, and if that's you, if you say, Mike, I can't, I don't have anybody on the list, I would say this. I'd say you're in the right place today because here at the River Church, what we want for you is we want you to have people that you can walk in life with that you can build deep relationships with friends that you can uh, know deeply that you can go to weddings with that you can raise your kids with um, friends that you can play together vacation with go through the good times and the bad times and we want you to be here so that you can work on building those friendships building those relationships that you can have so if you you say Mike I don't have that you're in the right place because we're going to help you get there just know that it takes time it takes patience but you can do that you're in the right place and as we do that, as we work on building those relationships together, it's important that you pay attention to the types of people or the people that you allow in your top five or MySpace top eight. It's important that you pay attention to who you put in there. Leadership experts say that you are, as a person, you are the average of your five closest friends. Think about that. You're the average of your five closest friends. So if you think about your five closest friends, you're probably not the smartest. Sorry. Probably not the dumbest either. That's good, right? Probably not the most, you probably don't have the most money. You probably don't make the most money. You probably don't make the least money. You're going to be the average of your top five friends. And you say, that's kind of crazy. But what uh, experts say is that even like children, if you pay attention to kids um, growing up, and this is terrifying as a parent, they say that their peer group, their friends that they hang out with have more of an influence on the life choices they make than even their parents. Terrifying, isn't it? How about this? They say that's the same thing for adults as well. That's the same thing for you as well. You're going to be the, the says the saying goes, show me your friends and I'll show you who you are. 
Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And you might be looking at me like, Mike, you're talking about all these relationships. You're talking about all these, uh, these secular experts and stuff like that. Like, well, let's look at what the Bible says. Proverbs 13, 20 says, the one who walks with the wise will become wise, but a companion of fools will, what, suffer harm. The one who walks with the wise will become wise, but the companion of fools will suffer with harm. So if you're walking with wise people, you're living life with wise people, you're going to be wise. If you walk with fools, guess what you are? You said it, not me. You said it, not me. And as we talk about relationships today, I, I, I want you to think about your circle of friends. Who's your top five? Who are the people that you allow in your life? And I'm going to give you today four types of people, not even five. I'm going to give you four types of people that I say as a Christian man or woman, you need to have in your life. And as we walk through today, you may look around and you go, man, I need to add some people in my life. I need to add some relationships. I need to work on pursuing these types of relationships. You might go, I need to drop some people from my life. You might even say, I'm none of those people. I need to be that kind of person for the friends in my life. You know what I'm saying? And so we're going to walk through. I'm going to give you four types of people that I say I think you need to have in your life to prepare you for the Christian walk. And the first one is the coach. You need a coach. If you pay attention to a fight, if you watch a fight, you see there's the ring. There's this guy who, when the bell rings, he's rubbing the fighter's shoulders and he's talking in the fighter's ear and he's going, you need to jab, you need to duck, you need to go left, you need to go right. He's doing this. You need to do that. That's the coach. And for all of us as Christians, we need somebody in our lives that we would consider the coach. And you're like, Mike, isn't that you? No, I'm the pastor. I'm not the coach. That's not who I am. You, but you need friends in your life. Hear me when I say this. It's going to sound crazy. I'm going to take a sip of coffee to prepare you for it. You need friends in your life who know more than you. You need friends in your life who are better than you. You need friends in your life who you can look to, who can teach you. When we first moved back to Dallas-Fort Worth to try to plant the River Church, one of the first things I did was I started looking up church plants. And I just started emailing pastors of successful church plants and just wanting to get around them, wanting to hang out with them, wanted to ask them questions because I wanted to get around pastors and teachers who were better than me, who knew more than me, who could kind of show me how to do this thing. And what I would say to you is as a Christian, you need this no matter where you are, no matter how great your walk with Jesus is, no matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, you need to be around people who know more than you. And the lesson for this is to be ready for the fight as we're walking in our Christian faith is that we can be the best that God has called us to be. We need to be hungry enough to want to be better and humble enough to get around people who can teach us how to do it, who can teach us how to do it. In life, you need close friends who you can look to and say, they're better than me. If you want to, if you're always the best, the smartest, the best looking, although that's hard for some of us, the best looking person in your friend group, why are y'all laughing? The band's heckling me from over here. What is that supposed to mean? I'm married to one of you. <laughs> It's the girl, by the way. It's the girl. (laughs) But if you're always the smartest, the best looking, the whatever in your circle of friends, you might need to examine yourself and say, do I need to humble myself and pursue some people who are are higher than me? Like what I would say is if you want a better marriage, you got to get around people who have a better marriage than you. 
If you want to be better with your finances, you got to get around people who are better with their finances than you. If you want to be better at your job, get around people at your work who are better at your job than you. If you want to get better at ministry, get around people who are better at your ministry than you. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong with your marriage, your family, your kids, your whatever. What it means is that you're not content to stay where you are and you want to grow and you want to be better and you want to be all the things, everything that God has called you to be because as Christians, as men and women of God, he has given us lives. He's given us talents. He has given us opportunities. He has given us families and all of these things that he has given to us as Christians. It is our responsibility to steward those things to the best of our ability. And so by getting around people who are better than us, it helps us to steward that better. It helps us to grow and not stay where you are. I would say this, they don't, they don't know I'm going to say this, but our band here at the River Church, they're phenomenal, aren't they? Come on, give them something. Give them a little clap. Something. You're like, yeah, they're phenomenal. The last month, they've been talking to me. We've been having conversations of, yeah, we're great. This is good, but how do we get better? How do we go to the next level? We want to, and what that is, is a desire to lead our church and worship and the best way that they can. That's awesome, right? That's the kind of people we want to be around. You're like, that's great. But here's my overall point. More than any of those other ideas, more than having a great marriage, a great family, a great finances, all those things, those are all important. But what I would say is you need to be around someone who loves Jesus more than you. I know that sounds blasphemous. You're like, well, we all love Jesus. I know, right? You want a deeper walk with Jesus. You need to find someone that you can pinpoint, that you can look at and go, I want to love Jesus like that person loves Jesus. I want, to, I want to have my walk with God be like that person's walk with God is. And here's what I would tell you to do. Don't tell them I told you this. Here's what I'd tell you to do. Stalk them. Hunt them down. Follow them. Ask them questions. How do you do this in your quiet time? How do you do this? Man, when you, when you, when you struggle with temptation, how do you do this? How do you deal with this? How do you do this? How do you do this? And again, like force your way into their lives so that they can teach you how to love Jesus better. And it doesn't mean, again, it doesn't mean that anything's wrong with your relationship with Jesus. What I would say is it means that there is something very right with your relationship with Jesus. When you say, I want to get around people who love Jesus more than me. I want to know, right? I want to grow. I want to grow. I want to grow. Don't be satisfied with where you are. We all want to grow deeper in our walk with Jesus. And there's very much biblical example after biblical example of this. One of those is Paul and Timothy. Paul's a guy who, um, before he became a Christian, was literally crucifying, was killing Christians. He has this radical salvation story where Jesus shows up and is like, stop. And he's like, okay. <laughs> that we would probably do that if Jesus showed him, like, stop doing that. He's like, okay. He becomes saved. Now he's planting churches. And as he's doing that, he picks up this guy named Timothy, who becomes a pastor. And we see in the Bible letters where Paul wrote to Timothy. He's training Timothy, teaching Timothy how to be a better pastor, how to be a better teacher, how to be a better follower of Jesus. What you need to find in your life, that first person, I'm calling him the coach, but I would say you need to get a Paul in your life, someone who can teach you how to go deeper, how to love Jesus more. And by the way, if you want to read what Paul wrote to Timothy, it's in First and Second Timothy in the Bible. You can go check that out. It's fantastic. But one of my favorite quotes, Ralph Waldo Emerson says, every man I meet is my superior in some way, and in that I learn of him. In that I learn of him. If we can humble ourselves there's so much that we can learn from other Christians and each other. So stay hungry, stay humble, get a coach. Secondly, you need in your Christian life a cut man. Anybody know what a cut man is? Evan does. 
You need in your Christian life a cup man. When the bell rings, when the fighter goes down and sits on that stool in between rounds and he's exhausted and he's got, he's bleeding all over his face, the cut man's the guy who comes up and starts bandaging him up, literally bandaging his cuts. He's the one who's fixing the fighter and the cut man's job is to take care of the fighter's injuries in between rounds so that the fighter can continue the fight, so the fighter can keep going. And my question to you, River Church, is where do you go in your life when things have gotten hard? Where do you go in your life when you feel like the enemy's attacking you and you don't know you can take it anymore? It might be the friend that you call up in the middle of the night and say, I, I need you, you, and you know that without even question, they're going to be for you, be there for you. That's your cut, man. Not only are they a person that's there for you, but they're also the person that when you're hurting, they can see that you're hurting when maybe everybody else around you has no clue. They're the person that can see that you're hurting, and even more importantly, they know how to help you. They know you well enough to know how to help you because there are people in our lives, and man, I'm going to hurt somebody's feeling that this is you, but there are people in our lives that they have good intentions, they love us, and when things go bad, they come into our lives and they try to help us, and all they do is set everything on fire. You know what I'm talking about? People that just make everything a thousand times worse. I'm going to talk about uh, anybody ever seen Tool Time, the TV show Tool Time? Yeah, man, I'm dating myself again, right? 90s. Tool time. It's, there's this guy on there named Tim the Toolman Taylor, and what he used to do is he wanted to make everything bigger, better, louder, and so something would break, he would fix it and give it more power, and he'd be, oh, oh, oh it's going to be so great, and then inevitably it'd catch on fire and blow everything up. You know what I'm saying? We all have people like that in our lives. They come in with good intentions, but at the end of the day, they cause more damage than they do good, right? Some of you guys are afraid to shake your heads because that person sitting next to you are like, I don't know what you're talking about, Mike. <laughs> but the cut man in our lives, or woman, is the person that can come into your life and they recognize the hurt in your life and they know how to be part of the healing. And they don't push you to be bitter. They, they, don't, they don't push you to be bitter. They don't discourage you. They don't pour gasoline on the situation. But what the cut man does is the, or woman, they know when bold action is needed. They don't thrive on the bold action, but they know when it's necessary. And in that, they encourage you to rely on Jesus. And this person loves Jesus deeply and constantly in your pain, brings you back and reminds you of God's goodness, of God's faithfulness, and of God's deep, deep love for you. And if nothing else, when you get around that person, you can just go, and just be yourself. And that person breathes life right back into your soul. We all need a cut man in our lives. The problem is sometimes whenever we face those situations, we isolate ourselves and run away from people instead of running to the people that we need to run to. Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all time and a brother is born for a difficult time or some ways translate that a brother is born for adversity. That scripture right there literally is saying that there are friends born into your lives for that moment. There are people born into your lives for that moment moment. Let them do what God has placed them in your life to do. The cut man, they help, keep, they help you heal so you can keep on going. They help you heal so you can keep on fighting. So we need a coach. We need a cut man. And thirdly, if you're taking notes today, you need a hype man. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. If you watch the fight, the hype man's the guy who's on the sideline. He's got the towel. He's jumping up and down. I need a towel this morning. He's swinging the towel around. He's screaming crazy things like, like he's going, you can do it. Whenever the bell rings, he's patting the fighter on the back. Keep going. You're killing him. Like the fighter could be getting destroyed. And he's like, you're doing great. You know, that's the hype man, right? He's the hype man. You keep going. He's the guy that whenever the belt, the fight's over, he's the first one over the ring, jumping up and down, going crazy. That's the hype man. As Christians, that is the friend that encourages you no matter what. That's the man or woman woman in your life who every time you get around them, you just know they're going to lift up your spirits. Maya Angelou said, people, I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. That's the hype man, baby. I, you guys don't know this, but here at the River Church, I have my own personal hype man. Did y'all know that? His name is Joel Libermento. He's one of the pastors here at the church. There he is. You hear him. There he is. That's right. How am I doing, Joel? Am I doing good? Yeah, all right. I have my own personal hype man. And he jokes about it a lot, but that joker, I'm not playing. That is my hype man. Because if we've strived to plant the River Church, there's been times throughout these last two years where I'm discouraged, I'm frustrated, I'm angry. Somebody said something to me that I just want to go off, and yet he's like, Mike, calm down. Everything's good, right? I get around Joel, we talk about stuff, I tell him, hey man, here's what I'm frustrated about, here's what's going on, and what he does is go, Mike, you're doing great. Keep going, Mike, it's not over, keep fighting, we're going the right direction, we're doing good, don't give up, keep going, keep going, keep going, and I'll be honest with you, I am so blessed to have that dude in my life. Joel, don't listen to any of this. I'm so blessed to have that dude in my life. You need a hype man. He's mine, you can't have him, find your own, okay? (laughs) But you need someone in your life who believes in you almost in an unreasonable way. You know what I'm talking about? Like that person that you're like, I don't even know why you believe in me anymore, right? But that person that believes in you so much that it doesn't even make sense, that's your hype, man. In our walk with Jesus, when we struggle with discouragement, when we think we should give up, we when we think it's over, that's the time you got to get around the hype, man, because they're the ones that say, keep going, keep fighting, don't give up, keep walking, you're almost there, you're almost there, keep going, that's the hype, man. When you're discouraged, when you're frustrated, get around the hype, man, okay? Get around the hype man. I have a friend uh, from a church that I pastored previously, um, and he's, I love, he's like one of my closest friends, um, but he's not necessarily known for his positivity. <laughs> like, he's actually the kind of guy, it's kind of a joke now, whenever you have an, a new idea, go to him because he'll punch a whole a bunch of holes in it and just discourage you. You know, that's, that's him. And so he, it's kind of funny now, he knows. But we nicknamed him Captain Encouragement. Yeah, we nicknamed him Captain Encouragement. Let me say this. We have a lot of Captain Encouragements in our lives. We don't need any more of those, okay? When you get a Captain Encouragement, run away from the Captain Encouragement. What you need in your life is a hype man, or as the Bible calls it, a Barnabas. There's this guy in the Bible named Barnabas, and he was a close friend of Paul's who I mentioned earlier, and they planted churches together. Um, they traveled together. The name Barnabas means son of exaltation or son of encouragement. And in the Bible, Barnabas is best known for being an encourager of Paul and everyone around him. And Barnabas was best known for never giving up on people. He's actually, in the Bible, one of the first people or maybe even the first person who vouched for Paul. Because like I told you guys earlier, whenever Paul, before Paul became a Christian, he's killing Christians. Then he becomes a Christian and he's like, yeah, I want to go plant churches. And everybody's like, no, get away from it. He's killing people, right? Like, your, your first instinct wouldn't be, bring that guy in the circle, you know, which is wise, by the way. Barnabas goes, meets Paul, hangs out with Paul, comes back and represents Paul, stands up for Paul, speaks up 
for Paul vouches for Paul. No one believed the transformation was real, but Barnabas stood up and stood by, stood up for and stood by Paul. You need a Barnabas in your life. In your top five, you need a Barnabas. But not only do you need a Barnabas, River Church, you need to be a Barnabas. Because here's the thing. A Barnabas, it it doesn't take talent to be a Barnabas, to be an encourager. It, It doesn't take skill to be a Barnabas or to be an encourager. It's a choice that you make to be that for the people around you, which, if I'm honest with you, is harder than something that you have a skill or a talent for. Because what it requires of us is to take our eyes off of ourselves and to focus on the people around us. And we have to choose to be an encouragement. We have to choose to take on that attitude. It's a decision that we make as Christians, to be that for the people around us. So River Church, be, instead of a, instead of being a captain encouragement, strive to be a son of encouragement. So you need a coach, you need a cut man, you need a, um, a hype man, and finally, you need a towel guy. A towel guy, somebody to wipe off my sweat? What does that even mean? If you watch a fight, there's a point that comes and Evans never experienced this, but there comes a point in the fight where the fighter's beaten up, the fight is over, and everybody knows it except for the fighter. (laughs) He's the only one. He keeps going, and the towel guy is the guy that is honest enough with the fighter to throw the towel in the ring, and what that means, that signals to the ref that the fight's over, stop the fight. The towel guy is the one who cares more about the well-being of the fighter than the ego of the fighter. And he's the one who's honest enough to tell the truth to the fighter and say, it's over. It's over. This is applicable to us in so many ways as Christians. We need people in our lives who tell us the truth no matter what. People who we give permission to in our lives to tell us the truth no matter what. It's kind of This is kind of a different situation, but every single week I sit down with a friend of mine who comes here to the River Church and he criticizes me. That's what we do. We have lunch on Tuesdays and he criticizes me. <laughs> what I've literally asked him to do is sit in the back, take notes of the sermon and tell me how he thinks I did. Gives me feedback on <laughs> good joke, bad joke, good point, bad joke or bad point. This was clear. I thought this was a little muddy. I don't think this made sense. I thought this ran together and this friend literally has freedom to criticize me on anything that happens during this hour and a half, two hours, three hours. You're all like, what? <laughs> but not only that, freedom, not just in this hour, but really in any area of my life as a pastor, a husband, a friend, a leader. He has freedom to do that. And you say, Mike, why would you want that? I, I actually embrace it. It's something I asked him to do because what I want to do is I want to steward the gift of teaching and preaching and pastoring that God has given me as well as possible. So God has called me to do this. So what I want to do is be the best pastor that I possibly can be for you. I want to steward those gifts well as a worship unto the Lord. And so the process of sitting down with this person, receiving feedback and truth that sometimes I don't even want to hear has helped me so much as a pastor to where I even look forward to these meetings, not because he's going to pat me on the back, because I hear a lot more negative than I hear positive, and that's like in a good way, right? But because I know it's going to make me better, and you need people in your life who will do that for you as well. But not even I'm not even talking about on a professional level, although that's important. I'm talking about in your spiritual life. You need people who can walk into your life and say, this is sin. You need to do something about this. We need to have a conversation. You need people in your life who are willing to be honest with you when it comes to your walk 
with Jesus. And in 2 Samuel chapter 12, there's a story of David. And, and if you don't know who David is, he's a great king. He's a, he was the greatest king in Israel's history. He was a great man of God. Um, he's most known for being the giant slayer. I mean, he was a beast, but he also made some huge mistakes in his life. Um, so much so one day David's hanging out, his army's gone off to battle. He's by himself, uh, hanging out on top of the castle. First mistake was he isolated himself from his little, his circle of trust, his top five or eight, whatever it is. He isolates himself. And so as he's walking on the top of his castle, he sees this beautiful woman bathing because he's got a great view of the city, sees her bathing. And he says to one of his servants, go get her, bring her back. So she comes back because, you know, he's the king. What can you say to the king? They have relations. Uh, she ends up getting pregnant. And the problem here is she's married. Not only is she married, but she's married to one of his soldiers who is off to battle fighting on David's behalf. And so what happens is David now has this reputation as this great squeaky clean, great man of God. So he says, I can't mess this up. Go get her husband, bring him back. And David's going to trick her, his, her husband into sleeping with his wife so that now they can say, oh, yeah, that's your baby. The problem is this man is such an honorable man. He says, all of my men who are off fighting for battle can't be with their wives. I'm not going to be with my wife either. You talk about an honorable dude. So you know what David does? He kills him. Great man of God, David. And he does all of this to protect himself, to protect his squeaky, clean, clean reputation. And David is so lost in his sin at this point that he's making bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. And no one can tell him otherwise because he's the king. You can't tell the king what to do. Well, except, except for one person. Except for one person, this man named Nathan, this man who cares more about David's relationship with God than he cares about David's ego or David's status as the king. Second Samuel 12, 1, it says, The Lord sent Nathan to Daniel. When he arrived, he said to him, There were two men in a certain city, one rich and the other poor, and the rich man had a large number of sheep. He goes to tell him a story. that You never know the power of a story. A number, large number of sheep and cattle. But the poor man had nothing except one small ewe lamb that he had, that he had bought. He raised it and grew it up, living with him and his children, and it shared his meager food and drank from his cup. It slept in his arms. Hear this. And it was like a daughter to him. Wow. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man could not bring himself to kill one of his own sheep or cattle and prepare it for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for his guests. So he tells the story to David and verse five says, David was infuriated with the man and said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who did this deserves to die. Nathan in verse seven says, you are the man. You are the man. And David's response is to fall on his face and weep and repent to God for his sin. In your life, you need Nathans who will walk in and tell you the truth because they love you and they love your soul more than they care about your ego. You need someone who will love you enough to tell you the truth, someone who has permission because you've given them permission, permission to call you out on your sin. But the question is, are you the type of person who's willing to surround yourself with people who will tell you the hard truths? Because here's something that we know is we don't mind being the person who tells somebody the hard truth. We love, oh, I'll tell them. I'm not scared. I'll tell them, right? We don't mind that. 
but we don't necessarily like being the person to give other people permission to speak hard truths into our lives. Here's the thing you notice about David. He had given Nathan permission to tell him the hard truth because he's a prophet that he allowed in his life. But secondly, David had a humble enough heart to hear the truth and to obey the truth or respond to the truth. For most of us, myself included, I'm, it's hard to hear the hard truths because we don't necessarily want to know the hard truths. And it's hard to hear the hard truths because we haven't given pre- people permission in our lives to tell us the hard truths. And so they won't because one, they don't have permission. Secondly, because they know you're not going to be humble enough to hear it and they reject it. Listen to me, River Church, when I say this, there is no friend more valuable to you than the friend you trust to be completely honest with you and tell you the hard truth in a loving way because they love your soul more than they care about your ego. Some of us may look around and say, Mike, I don't have anybody that would do that for me. But what I would say is start with your willingness to hear the truth and your humbleness to allow it to be spoken. Give some people permission and you'd be amazed what God can do. And here's the really, here's kind of a cool side thing that happens when we do that in our lives. You remember I told you about my friend who I, I let criticize my sermons, you know? Um, what happens in that is because he's allowed to speak truth into my life, all truth into my life. What happens is as we're talking and he gives me a compliment or says, Mike, that was good. That was great. You know what happens? I believe it. Like just this last week, <laughs> we were going over my, my sermon from last week and there was a part I was frustrated with. You want me to tell you which one it was? No, I'm just kidding. There was a part I was frustrated with. I was like, I just didn't feel like that came off right. I felt like it was confusing. And he, he stopped me. He's like, Mike, no, I thought that was great. I thought that made perfect sense. I thought, I thought that hit right on the point. And I stopped and I stepped back and I reevaluated it. And I believed what he said because I know that he has 100% freedom in my life to tell me the truth. And he has. (laughs) When you give, and it has to be the right people, don't do it to everybody, but when you give certain people in your life real freedom to tell you the truth, listen to this, when you give people in your life real freedom to tell you the truth, you're also able to trust the truth. You're also able to trust the truth. The Nathans in our lives step in when, they, when we need it most and they love you enough to risk hurting you to save you. River Church, tell me who your friends are and I'll tell you your future. Tell me who your friends are and I'll tell you who you are. And this may seem like a strange topic for us to cover in a, a series on spiritual disciplines, but I would say being disciplined about who you choose to surround yourself is very, very, very much a spiritual thing. You can surround yourself with people who love you, who care about you, who will help you grow closer to Jesus. You can surround yourself with people who won't. You might look at me and say, well, Mike, when you said, tell me your top five, you can say, Mike, I didn't even have one. I I, I didn't even have one or I had two. And as you're listening to these people, I, I don't have those people in my life. I'd say, well, first, that's great. Recognizing it is good. What I say is that the River Church here is full of people who love Jesus, is full of people who will love you, and people who will, if you give them a chance, and if you are patient enough, can help you grow in your relationship with God. So I would say get connected, dive in, be patient, 
Open yourself up and build relationships that will last and take you deeper with God. And right now is a perfect opportunity for that because we just started our our season of summer community groups. And it's a great time for you to dive in, find a group, get connected. As a matter of fact, this this Wednesday night, we're going to be having an all-church, all-groups get-together at Bear Creek Park that all of the community groups are coming to. That's for everybody. You're like, Mike, I'm not even in a group. Come to it. I'll find you a group. I'll help you get connected, right, so that you can go deeper and you can find people who will walk deeply in life with you. And so next time I say, who's your top five? You go, how about top 20, Mike? I got them all, right? You can come bring them to me. You don't just need a cut, man. You need this guy, right? So who's your coach? Who's your cut man? Who's your hype man? Who's your towel guy? The one who always tells you the truth. And maybe an even better question would be, is which one of those four are you for your friends? River Church, I love you. As we close in prayer and worship, what I want to say to you this morning is take inventory of the people that you've allowed in your circle. Take inventory of those relationships that you surround yourself with. Talk to Jesus about it and ask him in a very honest way, who do I need to add? Who do I need to subtract? How can I be one of those people? And as we sing this last song and we worship God, I want to encourage you to ask him, pray and talk to him and ask him for deep relationships in your life that will help you kill sin, that will help you grow in your affection and love for Jesus. And as always, if there's anything that you need to pray about or talk about this morning, I'm right down here. Uh, Natalie and somebody else will be right down here for you to talk to and pray with. We want that for you. Don't waste this time. What's God talking to you about this morning, River Church?